0: Hello, hello, Brandon Harvey here with this week's episode of Sounds Good. This is the podcast where every single Monday, I sit down with an inspiring person and talk about happiness, overcoming struggles, and living a life of intentionality and wonder. This week, I'm so excited to share a conversation with Nate Snell, the founder and owner of Pips Donuts in Portland, Oregon. Pips is this amazing donut shop. They've been featured in all kinds of publications like the New York Times and Thrillist. And seriously, if you're ever in Portland, you have to go. But what makes this donut shop amazing isn't necessarily the donuts. It's the unique way that Nate has somehow conjured up a space that creates community, builds people up, and inspires creativity. And we're going to get into how it's even possible for a donut shop to do all of that in this conversation. So without any further ado, let's just jump straight into things. All right, everybody, I am here in person with Nate Snell of Pip's Donuts. Nate, welcome to Sounds Good. Thank you. It's great to be here. This is so fun. We are across the street from your amazing donut shop. <laughs> literally. Yeah, it, why did literally. I drive?
1: I know, right? <laughs> I got in my car and I drove and I went around the corner and I'm like, I pulled over and go, why did I just do that? <laughs> so good.
0: I love it. I love it. And you drove up in your Pipsmobile. Yeah. It's, yeah. The
1: vintage 1973 Jeep Wagoneer, the Pipsmobile. It's beautiful. Thank it's you. It's a beautiful thing. Thank you. Thank
0: um, you. I think I need to start this interview by just confessing that earlier this week, I bought four dozen donuts from Pips. Ate maybe half of them. I am um, obsessed with your donuts, and um, and they're a huge part of my life. And yeah.
1: um, I'm just so excited well, about Well, what's great is that makes two of us, and I can confess back <laughs> to you the exact same sin that good I much. committed, and I ate two dozen donuts out of four dozen that I made last week, and I'm really in love with my donuts, uh, too. So, so don't good. feel bad. You're not alone.
0: Good, good. I think I first found out about Pips when my wife, who you know, moved in. In this, in this very house across yes. the street from your donut shop. Yes. And uh, she became a little bit of the poster child for Pips on accident. Yes. Um, she just went all the time and ended up having a photo taken of her holding Pips. And then she ended up on your business cards. And
1: <laughs> and as the background to our Facebook page and our Twitter page, and she was our, you know, it wasn't really on Insta because that, that stupid picture is so small. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't really, you know, it was, it was, she was really the poster child because the look on her face as she's standing there holding those donuts just embodied the joyful expression that I see so many times on people when they first take their bite of their first Pips donut. And it's like a whole paradigm shifting experience where their their eyes just open really huge. They get these huge smile on their face. And it's often like, I can't believe a donut tastes that good. It's hot and fresh. So her picture, um, even though I didn't really know Sammy that well at all at that point, just embodied everything that brings me joy about running my shop. And I thought, you know what? That's that's the face, the candid picture of the experience that I want to convey to everybody that looks at our sites. That makes me so happy.
0: And we've just become like accidental advocates for pips. You know, anytime somebody's coming to Portland and they'll like reach out and be like, where should we go? We're like... You have to go to Pips, first thing from the airport. And so I'm excited to be here having this conversation with you because it's not just that you found a really good recipe, you've created something really special. And that's what I want to get into. Um, But I want to back up, and I know a little bit of the backstory of Pips, but I don't know all of it, Um, but I do know that you did not set out to start a donut shop. It kind of happened on accident, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, accidentally on purpose, you know, according to some greater thing that was moving in the universe that led us to that juncture, sure. Um, My wife has a company called the Lamb's Table Catering that she has a really interesting business model in that she provides really high quality Northwest centric catering but she creates custom menus for everyone. Wow. So her thing was more like she took the idea of a private chef where a custom menu is created, and she brought it into the catering world. So she sits down with people. She has a conversation just like this. She'll spend an hour, two hours with potential bride or groom or you know whoever she's meeting with and she has a whole list where she gets to know them as people what are their loves their passions their desires what do they like to eat and based on that she creates a custom menu for every unreal every client i had no idea so but magnified a custom a personal chef service magnified over 200 people so her business continued to, to flourish and grow through all through word of mouth and great experience And it was at the point where we were looking for her own catering kitchen that we found the little tiny thousand square foot shop across the street from this place. And I started helping her, you know, with the negotiation process with the landlord. The landlord said, I love the idea of having the catering shop in here, you know, and we'll we'll build you a kitchen, but you have to have some sort of a retail front end. You know, you could cook, you could have a, you know, you could have, you know, something you could have a maybe a little tiny cafe, a delicatessen, a restaurant, whatever. But I want to bring value to our existing, uh, my existing tenants in this building. And I really feel like Fremont is going to continue to grow and thrive. And so I want to bring value to the mm. neighborhood as well. What can you do? Well, I was building custom guitars and amplifiers. I was doing strategic marketing and development for multiple different record labels. And I was really in my groove. <laughs> and I was loving it you know but um, when you're married sometimes you're you're called to just put the things that you think are the best thing happening to you on hold because you have to partner with your partner to move something else forward that's ultimately going to bring enrichment to your life and to the lives of others around you and this is a a perfect example of that so we just thought, you know what? We love mini donuts. We had the mini donuts at Pike Place Market uh, over a decade before. Yes. They created a paradigm shift in how a donut could taste. Fresh out of the fryer. Now, albeit theirs were very greasy. <laughs> you know, ultimately, I, 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 but, but the overarching thing was like, this is something different. This is something that's been done a million times before, but it's been done in a different way. American ingenuity, taking the thing that's already been done forever and putting your own unique twist on it. So I thought, you know, Jamie, I bet um, I bet we could do mini donuts even better than that. I bet we could do it in a way that would be really impactful in Portland and would be healthy. I mean, relatively healthy, you know, all things considered. <laughs> but cook them in organic soy shortening and, you know, use quality ingredients and toppings and get away from the greasy element. And then also, we were looking for another niche, and so we thought, you know, Jamie loves to experiment with spices. Mm. She's a chef. She loves spices. That's that's what rules our life. Let's do five flavors of chai. I did market research. Nobody in the entire world was doing five flavors of chai and made to order mini donuts. So I thought, we're going to create paradigm shifts on both sides. This is going to be a really cool business model. Maybe people will like it, and if they don't, we're going to have a cool place to hang out. You know? that's amazing Uh, you know maybe this so that's how it happened it was all you know i just i bought off on it i ended up building everything and i did all the plans we had a little bit of savings um and it was when we ran out of money it was friends and family that came alongside us just like the orphan in great expectations pip (laughs) our namesake yes that's brilliant right we were orphaned by the banks they wouldn't even give us a ten thousand dollar loan We didn't have any credit. We had paid off all of our credit. We were debt-free, but we had no credit. So they wouldn't take a chance and even give us a loan. So even faced with these obstacles, we had a little bit of money we had saved up. And we had the initiative um, and the desire and the ability to move it forward. And we just went forward on faith. Friends and family came alongside us when we ran out of money. And we got the doors open. What created all that ambition? Like You hit a lot of obstacles in the way... You could have just said,
0: okay, we're going to move to a different location in town to open up this catering business. You could have said, oh, well, the banks can't give us money. We're just going to call it quits, or we're just going to scale down really small. But you kept going. Like, What created that sense of ambition for you?
1: Uh, I think fear is a great motivator, honestly. When you go all in on something and you leave yourself no other option, you don't have an easy way out. You haven't created, you know, there's no escape clause. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, when you come up with a business model, it has to be, you know, very logical. It has to be very smart. It has to be, you know, everything has to fit. We just went all in because we have passion and we wanted to do this thing. So the fear of failure uh, was incredibly motivating to us because it wasn't an option. So we were just going to do everything in our power and bring all of our resources to bear on making this thing work. That's amazing. And it worked. And it worked. It's really cool. And it really has, it continues to grow and it continues to take off. And it's still incredibly fun. And I'm still very passionate about what I do four years later. That's beautiful.
0: Okay. And so the atmosphere that you experience when you walk into Pips, there's something really magical about that. What kind of experience are you trying to create for your customers? You're not just a donut fryer in the middle of Pike Place Market. Right. You're creating an atmosphere. Right. What's your
1: goal when you're... Um, at the beginning stages
0: of deciding to create
1: something well i think that in terms of you know authenticity against b- like batted around a lot as a the term these days hashtag authentic right yeah exactly but we created a place you know our goal was to create a place and a space we wanted to hang out in, full of things that we wanted to eat and drink so when the ultimate goal is to create a space you want to be in It creates an authentic experience for yourself first so that you can relate authentically to people that come in. All of the high desert clouds that Jamie painted on the wall for all the murals, all of the wood we used, everything that's in our shop references back to something that has meaning to us the chandelier from my parents' house, uh, ranch house in Lewiston, Idaho, all of the plants that we brought in, even our cups that are made locally by Covenant Ginger, have sand from Moab, Utah, integrated into the glaze because Jamie mm. grew up in Utah. That's really So cool. when you're able to point to all these things, all of the signs have been hand-lettered. Everything has been done by hand because it references back to the type of care um, and excellence that we put into everything that we do. So I think you know, to circle back around to what you're saying, when you take that type of um, intentionality and creating a space that you're proud of in every, even the smallest details, the way that comes across to people when they come in is very unique. Yeah, Because it feels different. It doesn't feel like a place that they're just looking to create a, a cookie cutter, franchisable business model. It's a place that we went all in, in every aspect of how we decorated, the things we brought in, and it, and i think that all that creates that experience that you're talking about
0: and you're telling a story with everything that you put into your space there's yeah. there's meaning to it there's depth to it
1: yes everything i think storytelling especially in the age of of distance that can be created between people that storytelling the, ab- the ability to look somebody in the face and tell them a story about something to bring them deeper into your own experience Creates a really um, lasting mm. impression on them, and it 's one that they want to go share with other people. The reason people uh, share about pips all of the time is because they realize that it 's truly a legitimate special experience, and they want other people to to share that as well it 's not a fad it 's an experience um, you know we make we make donuts and we make chai that 's true, and they 're both excellent. But are the experience we provide and the way that we treat people like family is something that I think is really, really valuable, especially in a day where we're in a lot of transactionally based relationships. Hmm. Owning a business to me is is uh, it's like a it's like um, deposits and withdrawals. You can't just sit back and expect people are going to come give you your money. You have to also put back an equal or greater amounts back into the community that supports you. That maintains gratitude. And when you have gratitude and you show that to people, and when you show that to your employees, you create this holistic circle of appreciation that ultimately ends up with customers giving you more money because you've created an experience for them that's really authentic and meaningful.
0: Yeah. Take
1: care of your employees. They take care of your customers.
0: I was about to say, because I've had a number of employees who work for you Mm -hmm. and they loved working for you. Yes. And, uh, and some of them still work for you and they love it. Yep. Um, you do some really cool stuff for your employees. You've gotten international attention in the news for Mm -hmm. some of the cool things you do for your employees. Talk about like some of the highlights. There's a lot to name.
1: Well, we've got, well, my, I, I guess my two favorites, there's a lot of things that we as business owners have a privilege of doing choices that we get to make. And the privilege of owning a business is being able to make the choices and to do the things that you wish that uh, people you had worked for in the past had been able to do for you, hmm. or were bold enough, or were brave enough to do when they're putting, you know, when you put people ahead of profit. So. That's just there's little things that, you know, that show people you care, like buying them Bob's Red Mill oatmeal to have every day and, you know, locally made power bars to keep their energy up. You know, giving them free, you know, giving them the ability to be generous with every customer to give away product without accounting for it, without counting every penny. You know, those things just create an underlying sense of value um, and freedom and ownership. But two of my favorite ones are the freedom to give initiative yes. where we give yeah we give each employee $30 every paycheck and the only there's no accountability built into it it's all on the honor system so the only thing that we require is that in some capacity they use $25 of that I leave $5 off for their taxes <laughs> right $25 to um, enrich the life of someone less fortunate than themselves I wanted to create a habit of intentional giving so that they could experience the joy that comes from sharing something that they have with someone less fortunate than themselves. Because again, when you create that lasting joy of giving to someone else versus just spending money on yourself, which is a very transient, you know, very fleeting and temporary sense of satisfaction you create a higher level of morale and self-worth in your employees. They translate that to the customers. That's beautiful. Yeah. So it's, it's just thinking of things from a bigger picture, um, about how everything is interrelated and how everything ultimately works together. And even if it may seem like it's a non-monetary initiative that you're engaged on, ultimately it benefits everyone who's involved from the customers to the employees, to, to charities and nonprofits to the owners. Do you have any favorite stories that you've heard from
0: employees about what they've spent that $25 on?
1: I've heard so many incredible stories I just think the ones where people are caught unawares and their ability to give generously are the ones that are most impactful to me. Mm. You know, there's a family sitting outside of the store and, you know, I came out with my Thanksgiving meal and there's this family sitting there. And, you know, I realized, and this is me talking from an employee's perspective, them sharing the story with me. And they said to me, you know, and I realized, I looked at them and I felt my first inclination was, man, I just spent all this money on this big Thanksgiving feast for my family. But wait. I have the money that I got from the Freedom to Give initiative. I could totally do this, and they, you know, and they knew that more was coming, and so they they had the freedom. It kind of subverted their paradigm of not having enough to realizing that they did have something more than that family, and they went and bought them a full Thanksgiving meal. Wow, you know, and were able to share the joy of the true meaning of Thanksgiving. With this family as a result of the freedom to give in, that they in had.
0: In my mind, when I read freedom to give, the keyword there was give. Yes. And what I'm hearing here is the keyword is freedom. And Absolutely. And I think that's a really good idea because so much of the time I get paralyzed thinking, I oh, mean, I would love to give, but like if I give to them, like then I, you know, you know, there's, yes. you can just go down that track and all of a sudden when you feel a sense of freedom, freedom brings a lot of beautiful things. Yes. Um And That I
1: love that concept. Yeah, I think freedom was the overarching like goal in that, and definitely, and the giving was just the vehicle to giving people freedom to generosity, and to just increasing their sense of self worth. I mean, it's scientifically proven that when you help someone less fortunate than yourself, the net benefit to your own health and Mm. your happiness is something that lasts. Wow. You know, versus just constantly looking to spend money on yourself to get a very temporary sense of satisfaction over the latest whatever that you bought. Did you say that you had a second thing? Yeah, the second thing is one that we're actually rolling out. It's called the small business incubator. Ooh. So one of our, you know, we have a really, we have a seven, very intentional seven step hiring process, which brings us very special people who are literally one in hundreds that apply for each position we have. And it brings us a caliber of employee that are right at that juncture where they're ready to move within a year or two years into whatever career choice is their passion, whether it's being a graphic designer or or working in the fashion industry or being a really high level breeze to opening up their own coffee shop. Um, And so over the course of the last almost four years now, we have had the pleasure to be able to support employees of ours who have moved into their own small business ownership financially and through direct small business mentorship and learning while they're at the shop, afterwards helping them to plan their business model and to get their one, three, and five-year projections down, do market research. And I just thought, you know what? I want to create a system around that that's a little more formalized because I want people to understand when you work for us, it's not about us keeping you. Hmm. It's about us doing the things for you we do because it's the right thing to do. And that however long you're with us, we want you to leave with a blessing. And we want you to be our customers and our greatest advocates after you leave. But for those who want to start small businesses, we want to create a realistic avenue for them. Kind of like freedom to give. It's like freedom to own. Freedom to start your own <laughs> business. Freedom to be an entrepreneur. You know, we want it's to amazing. be the ones that invest with no, you know, we don't have any, there's no sort of investment, you know, um, ownership in their companies we give that we give them the money you know help them get started help them create a business plan so if they're there so basically it works like this if they work for us for a year we create a savings account for them so that if they have defined in the next year that they want to actually start a business we create a savings account and as long as they are willing to you know meet with us and to come up with a solid business plan the amount of savings that they get grows exponentially, far greater exponentially to that next 12 months. So it ramps up very quickly to where when they reach that that 12-month period and they've completed everything and they're ready to move on, they actually have substantial seed money so that hopefully they don't have to go into owning a small business saddled with a type of debt which causes so many small businesses to initially fail. That's amazing.
0: You're kind of creating a cyclical process. You're allowing other people to... Create the same sort of business that you're creating, something yes. that's meaningful and important, and yes. not just uh, not just taking, but it's giving. Yeah,
1: it's the intersection of, of generosity and profitability. I like to say that making money and treating people well are not mutually exclusive ideals. So it's taking and you know a, a niche business model that we've created. And helping people to transfer some of the most important elements of that into their own small business dreams and desires.
0: That's incredible. Like I love the impact that your donut shop can have. It's 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 way bigger than just making people donuts that make them smile.
1: Right. You know. I think it's interesting. I'm always encouraging people who are in their 20s and you know early 20s and mid 20s who feel like they're spinning their wheels. Like, go, oh, look, guys. I manage major label bands. I was in major label bands and independent bands. I worked as operations manager at large financial firms. I built custom guitars and amps. I worked at a Dutch Harbor, Alaska for Alaska Trawl Fisheries. I was a barista for many years. All that to say that every experience I have is ultimately moving you towards your vocation. That's huge. And my vocation ended up being a donut shop. And I regularly and efficiently use every experience I had had leading up to this point at 45, to manage this donut shop in a way that I think is really unique and brings a lot of value to community. So I kind of think of it, it's really not about donuts and chai per se. It's kind of a bait and switch. People think, oh man, those donuts and chai are great. That's what brings them in. But ultimately the experience they have is part of a greater social mission that we have to give back to our community and to do business in a way that's very inspiring and also very accessible. To show people that you can pursue your passion and do business well. Do it from a a perspective that brings value to yourself and to your community and enrichment and long-term satisfaction over just short-term gain. That's incredible.
0: That's amazing. That just makes me so happy
1: hearing you talk about that.
0: I think it's worth mentioning that Portland is famous for its donuts. So Voodoo Donuts was mm-hmm. one of the first donut shops to just really blow up. Blow up, sure. Um, Blue Star Donuts has yep. gone international. Yep. Pips is obviously continuing to grow and mm-hmm. become a really huge staple in the community. Sure. It would be easy for you to get really competitive in this sort of city, but you have this mantra that I love and that's really grown a lot over the last few years that's, community over competition yes and i would love to hear more about why you decided to not be competitive you know because most people's immediate reaction would be like oh i've got to cut in and get market share i've got to be seen as the best donut shop but you you know you'll be on facebook and you'll be saying hey congratulations to the donut shop down the street they just got this new flavor it's amazing everybody go check it out like who does that that's incredible
1: i think that Portland, likes, uh, Portland takes a lot of pride in being a progressive community. I don't think the um, negative elements of uh, competition are very progressive at all. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that people need to fight over scraps. There is so much to go around. There's so many people. And who needs to put them in a box by saying, what's the best this or the best that? <laughs> I'm really, I really take a lot of joy in the fact that there's so much variety out there. You know, everybody has their own niche. Everybody has their own thing that they do that nobody else does exactly like that. I want to celebrate that. That's what makes me excited. If people come in and they don't really like what, what that we're doing, and I'm like, well, what kind of donut are you into? And like, well, I'm really into this. I can just wholeheartedly say, well, I've had all of these donuts from all of these places. I really recommend that you go try this one. That's really, cool. you know, it's really fun. It takes all the pressure off. You know, when you're so caught up in competing it creates worry, it creates stress. I don't know about you, but when I do things that I'm passionate about, those aren't adjectives that I want to use in my the pursuit of my vocation. Mm-hmm. I would rather say, you know, bringing people together, creating value, you know, not, you know, building a stronger community, being stronger together. So, it's been interesting to see this almost groundswell shift in the way that donut shops operate over the last 4 years that we've been in business to create this new paradigm shift for them. Like, hey, you guys, all cocoa donuts, delicious donuts, let's all get together at my shop and let's sit down and let's figure out what's worked for you, what's not. Let's exchange ideas. You have ways you do things that I probably haven't even thought of yet. I can fully be like enriched and benefit from your experience. Inversely, maybe I have some things I've done that I can talk to you about that can enrich your experience and create an, a new value proposition for the way you run your business. That's so cool. It's just more strength and when people feel like they're supported and we're not having to compete we can actually focus on the things that are important to us which is serving our customers well making an excellent product let's take competition out of the equation yeah you know that's amazing
0: and you talked about this a little bit earlier you made reference to this but Pips is just one donut shop in a neighborhood Mm -hmm. in Portland Um, it's small and it's local yep like why not franchise it why not shark tank it why not create a whole bunch of them, you know, why sure. not sell it? What's, I, I mean, in, and I know the answer, you've alluded to this again and again, but yeah. um, tell me about why your heart is in this community.
1: Well, I think the under, the the overarching desire of my heart in terms of how I run business is to have enough and enough to me is so luxurious. I've spent my whole life living paycheck to paycheck, you know, going from one job to the other, just scraping by, when you reach a point where you're doing a job that you absolutely love and you're making all ends meet, that to me is the epitome of success. That's amazing. So I don't want to fall personally fall into the trap that I'm really wary of um, by overexpanding and by because when when you expand, you know, you create more all of the more things that bring more of the things that bring you stress. And the more stress I have in my life, the less I am able to enjoy the thing that I'm doing. So yes, I could have more money. But ultimately, like, what is that more money going to buy me in terms of happiness and satisfaction? I have a thing that you know um, that has become over a million dollar business in four years. You know, in this little tiny shop that's really involved in the community, and I love what I'm doing, and I have a really intimate connection with my customers, with our business, with the business community, and and with our employees. I, I'm personally wary of diluting the thing that I love most by creating too much of it. Also, in an era where you're able to get just about anything instantaneously, I think there's a lot of value in creating a business that people have to actually work to get to. Mm. We're open at 8 a.m. because I don't want to wake up too early and I don't want my people to wake up too early. And we're closed at 4 p.m. so that people can have a life when they get off work. Doing Mm. those things means that most people can't come to your business because they work in like a nine to five job. So that gives us a really mellow, nice week that's manageable. We can get caught up, but just bonkers weekends. <laughs> you know, I've intentionally funneled all of our business into the weekend. We have a fifty-fifty split between tourists and regulars on the on the weekdays, and then we have about seventy percent tourists and you know about forty percent mm. locals on the weekends. So I, I can't imagine replicating the experience that people have in our shop by opening up five other shops. Absolutely, you know. Um, Plus we're making good money and I love what I do. Again, so many people I've talked to that have started small businesses, especially when they're a little bit younger. Like I work 16 hours a day, seven days a week for years. I hate my job. How sad is it that people hate the very thing that they started being so passionate about? So I just said, you know what? I'm going to not work as much as I can. I'm going to hire great people. I'm going to trust them. Um, I'm just I just want to scrape by and love what I'm doing. That was my base level, and then it's grown so much more than that. That's incredible. So everything that comes after that, I'm so grateful for. There's no ego tied up in it. Because my baseline was just loving what I do and creating a place I wanted to hang out of full of things I wanted to eat and drink. <laughs> that was it. I didn't have these goals of being rich or being a millionaire or anything like that. So all of the, su- the success that we've had, which is funny, people think, well, you have lines out the door. You must be make- raking it in. Well, the more money we make, the more I give back. So even though we're, you know, making that much more money exponentially, the amount of money that I am putting back into our employees and into our community is is just as exponential as the money that we're making. Right? Yeah. So it's funny. It's just with greater money comes the ability to give back greater. But you have to stay in that sweet spot. Too much money brings too much stress. Too little money brings too much stress. Yeah. I'm just trying to live in that space. That's good. You know, that bandwidth of gratitude and having enough. You know, there's a perfect just space. I'm trying to balance it always. I just want, I never want to fall in that trap of hating the thing that I started. That's good. You know, loving. So I'm always trying to maintain the spirit of the startup for as long as possible.
0: Mm, you that's know? really good. Yeah.
1: It's kind of just, it's just like flowing with it. You know? Yeah.
0: And I think a lot of people would look at what you're doing and you just alluded to this and say that you have been successful and you talked earlier in the episode about how you've had a lot of experiences that have prepared you for what you're doing today. Mm -hmm. You know, you've had so many diverse experiences. Do you think that now that you've quote unquote found success or you found this thing that you're passionate about and it's getting attention and you, you continue to enjoy, do you think that's what you're going to do forever? Or is this just another thing that's going to prepare you for the next thing? Like, what does that look like? Because you're a step ahead of me in life and, For me, I'm like, okay, cool. Do I keep on doing this thing that I've been doing forever because I found a degree of success in it and I enjoy it? Mm -hmm. Or do at one point I let it go, even though I continue to enjoy it so I can jump to the next thing? Where are you at with that?
1: Well, I, I can answer that question because the very experience of how Pip started addresses that. I was doing something that I thought I absolutely loved that engaged me in all of my passions. And yet when an opportunity presented itself... Um, to stretch me and to take me into unknown territories. Um, With my wife, we gave it a lot of careful consideration. We decided to to go for it. So I'm going to go with it and love what I'm doing for as long as it's the right thing to be doing. I'm always open to new experiences. But um, I'm willing to go in the long run. I've been married for 18 years now. I have three kids. I've seen the ups and downs of relationships, You know the lows, lows, and the highs and the highs passion only gets you so far. You know, perseverance is what's going to get you through those times when your passion isn't enough. Mm. Passion may get you started, but it's not going to maintain you in the long run. You need to have the perseverance to get through those times when passion seems to be gone, but you have to think, I'm going to con- I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to continue because I know that there's there's something deeper and better right around the corner. You know, it's going to come. It's going to be a hard slog, but all of the greatest things grow in the valley. They don't grow on the mountaintop right? Your mountaintop experiences aren't something that are going to maintain you. It's how you operate when you're down deep in it, you know? So I'm open, but I'm also open to sticking it out. Again, it's a balance. It's sticking it out, but also being open to knowing when the right time to make a new decision, you know, is. That is absolutely beautiful. And I think that's
0: the perfect time for us to transition to this part of the show where every single episode, I love to ask our guests a few of the same questions. Um, And so the first question is this, how would you describe the kind of person that you most admire in the world?
1: Constancy, a person that I can rely on like my dad, that I know that no matter what stage in life I've gone through, he's always been there for me and he's, Uh, told me honestly when I've done things that he feels aren't healthy to me, but the overarching thing is that he's always supported me. So constancy... You know, commitment and consistency. My dad has modeled that for me, and that I value greatly. I'd be at a rock show, and my dad, I'd have dreadlocks, you know, playing in a grunge band <laughs> on stage at the X-Ray Cafe, which Trace from Voodoo Donuts owned. Amazing. Yeah, I begged him for my first all-ages show. That's cool. So I'd be up there playing, and my dad, you know, he's, like, standing on the back wall up on top of a of a bench to get away from the mosh pit, you know? And he's standing there, I go, and I go, Dad, what, you know, hey, man, what'd you think of the show? And he's... And he tells me, hmm, it was very interesting, <laughs> you know, but whether he liked it or not, he was there, mm. you know, he was always there for me and he always supported me, even if he didn't necessarily understand what I was doing. That to me, that's how I try to live my life. Constancy, you know, consistency, being there for people, um, even if I don't necessarily understand what they're doing, like looking past that, the thing they're doing into who they are as people and supporting them as people. That's beautiful. Constancy. Yep. It's
0: really good. Question number two, what are you consuming that you love right now? So maybe it's a TV show, a book, a movie, um, and ideally something that relates back to some of the themes we've talked about in this episode. So whether it's community or yeah, creating a business like this, you know, whatever it
1: is. Well, I know a lot of people kind of bounce in a lot of different... Um, Professions, whether or orientations, whether it's you know, business or religion, are always kind of going from the you know, one book to the other. And I've never been like that, I've never been a really, um, you know, a a a latest and greatest author reader, but I did come across a book called Small Giants and how, and it's just completely blown my mind. I didn't realize there were other companies that were out there that were doing things very similar to how we do things, mm. um, that have maintained passion and focus for their business and ultimately achieved incredible levels of success. So just when you read a book like that and you realize like, Hey, I'm not alone, you know, um, it's so encouraging and affirming. So that book has just been rocking my worlds um, in a, a great deal, but I also read three times a day so you know I have a multi I have a multiplicity of different books that are always going from multiple different genres just depending upon kind of how I'm feeling I don't watch very much TV um, I play a lot of music you know I actually have a band that that practices at pips after hours (laughs) i was a little selfish when we expanded into our community room uh, to make sure that it sounded really good i sound shaped everything i put acoustic foam behind these tapestries that we have hanging from the ceiling so i sound shaped the room so that when i got in there with my band it would sound
0: really good (laughs) that's the that's the upside of being a small business owner right there
1: yeah i'd say the thing that just feeds me so much right now is in this book um it's so affirming something that i've found to be so important and so oftentimes misunderstood, there's this movement that's going on that tells you you should have everything. You know, you should have it all. And I, I disagree slightly with that. I agree that you should have it all, but you just can't have it all at the same time. So I put down music and playing music and building guitars so that I could focus on building pips. I did intentionally sacrifice something for a period of time in order to focus on something else. But it didn't mean it was the death of those things. Yeah, I didn't mourn them, mourn them as something that had died in order to do something else. I simply had the peace just to say, I'm going to just put this aside for a while so I can focus all of my energy on this thing. Now, you know, it was about three and a half years later. I picked up the guitar again. I started writing songs. I put a band together, and now I have the best band practice place in the entire city. (laughs) Right? Go play and rock out. Nobody cares. No neighbors. I didn't have that before. And I'm still writing songs that I really think are relevant, and I'm having a great time. Um, And now I have money to buy the music gear that I always wanted. (laughs) So, yeah, you can have it all, just not all at the same time. Sometimes you have to put other things aside in order to really focus on the thing that's right in front of you. And reading that book um, has just really affirmed that in my life, and seeing how that's worked has been been really encouraging.
0: (sighs) That's so good. I love it. I've got a new question that I'm trying out. When is the last time that you changed your mind on something? So you believed something to be true, and then you were open-minded enough to say, I'm going to rethink this. I'm going to look at somebody else's perspective. And you came to a new conclusion.
1: Almost every day at my shop, the systems that we've created, I sit down with new employees and I say, hey guys, you know, we have... We have six different stations that all operate in harmony with one another to to have a system that creates a product in a timely manner and with excellence. But I only have my own perspective. So learn the way that we have done it up until this point. And then if you have a suggestion for a way to do it better or differently that's going to bring more value, bring it to me. And all of our systems started off with me. I opened up the shop. Nobody was teaching me. I had to create them all myself. But our systems have been refined and have been changed over time by the input from our employees. So not being stuck in a paradigm of you know thinking that you know it all or you have the very best way has been an, an instrumental to us becoming the best that we can be. Being open to employees speaking to their boss and saying I have a I have an idea and me as the boss listening and saying Dang. That is such a great idea. I never would have thought of that. Thank mm. you so much. We are going to implement that and then teaching that to our, you know, will you teach that way to everyone else? It's so they're like, yeah. And then they have ownership and they teach and things just keep getting better. So having, you have 16 employees now and having 16 minds put to the task from all different varying perspectives, bringing those perspectives, elevate the experience and the efficiency and the excellence of what we do. And looking at that as an asset and not a liability is huge. Yeah. But the, the caveat is learn how we do it first. Yes. And then if you have a better idea. So it's not just, I think I've got a better idea. I don't really know what you're doing, but I bet I can do it better. So it's intentionality. It's like learn it first and then come to us. I want a reasoned, logical explanation of how that's going to improve. If you can give that to me, I'll change my mind. I absolutely hate it when I worked for places and I would, I would question, why do you do things the way you do? And the answer would be, well, that's just the way we do them. Like, it infuriated me to my to the core of my being. You know, that I just wanted to pull my hair out and run screaming <laughs> like a madman down the hallways. Because just because you have a way of doing things doesn't mean it's the best way it can be done. And I'm always open to changing my mind to make it better. It's perfect. That's really good. My last question is... Based
0: on the ways you've chosen to step out and live your life differently, Mm -hmm. what's one thing you'd encourage someone else to do in their own life today?
1: Every day I wake up at about 5 a.m., and I spend an hour by myself. No phone, no books, no input, and I just, like, sit on a chair. I drink my coffee, you know? It's super pleasurable to make coffee, and and I sit there, and I'm just open, you know? So I create intentional time for myself, and almost, I would say probably... Like 98% of the time I just end up with gratitude because I've created a space where I'm considering everything that's happened and, I'm, and I am f- and consider what the alternatives could be and I'm so filled with gratitude and perspective. It gives me perspective going into my day. So just creating intentional time to sit there and just consider all of the things that you're grateful for just sends you off on like the best way. I think so many people wake up and they're immediately on their phone and they're stressed and they're already in this. Me just creating a a pocket of safety in my in my life to just sit there and reflect on things i'm grateful for that's why i don't think that mondays are bad because every day is an amazing opportunity and every day that we're not sleeping we have an amazing opportunity to do good in the world so i don't ascribe different levels of importance to different days of the week because i sit there in the mornings regardless of what day it is and i just reflect on the things that are good in my life and i go forward with that mindset you know, and it's almost like I'm kind of like I've ar- arming myself up to go out and and you know get with the world. It's just a great place to start. You're starting your day with gratefulness. Yeah, with gratitude, because it could be so much worse. Just starting off reflecting on the things I'm grateful for. And it's funny when you start thinking, you start with just a couple of things, and then it just almost snowballs. You just realize how many great things there are in your life, and when you go out in the world, you're just like, wow. Uh, that that thing that may have been a really big deal to me had i not started that way is not even it's nothing you know it's just nothing it's like there's so much great stuff happening you know i can deal i can handle it man this has been such a
0: fun conversation i'm leaving just excited and inspired (laughs) if people want to eat pips donuts obviously they can come to portland come down to fremont street and eat some delicious donuts probably get four dozen like i do um (laughs) But if they want to follow along from afar or they just want to continue to see the amazing things that you're doing with this community and creating community, not competition, Mm -hmm. where can they do that online?
1: So they can, you know, our prime social media platforms are Instagram, uh, Facebook and Twitter. And they're all just forward slash pips original. So good. And it's so fun. And you'll probably see. And I do all all of the social media stuff myself because I think it's really important to to um, reveal the person behind the business Mm. and to have a direct connection with um with our uh, audience and our potential customers and our existing customers so i talk about it you know it's not just about pretty product shots it's about revealing who the person is behind the business how we run our business so i i think it's a real privilege to be able to use social media in a way that uh that enlightens people that you know informs people that um educates them and uplifts them It's amazing. And I love
0: that we got to do a little bit of that here on the show today. Right. So thank you so much for being here, Nate. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, this is so good. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who tuned into Sounds Good this week. I love getting to have these conversations so much. And if you love listening to them, please consider sharing about Sounds Good online. I love reading each and every one of your tweets, your Facebook posts, your Instagrams. They mean the world. If you want a little bit more positivity in your life, I actually send out this weekly newsletter every single week called The Good Newsletter. It's five curated good news stories that remind us that the world is full of goodness if we just take the time to notice it. You can join thousands of people who already subscribe at goodnewsletter.org. And this week and every week, you can find the show notes for this week's episode of Sounds Good at soundsgoodpodcast.com. This show, Sounds Good with Brandon Harvey, is part of the Gradient Podcast Network. It's created in collaboration between Gradient and I. And with that, that's our wrap for this week's podcast. I'll see you online and I'll talk to you next week when we get the opportunity to learn from another inspiring person. Sound good?